Oh yeah, welcome back to the Jake. It is my favorite podcast of the year, the draft special, everybody. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. Episode 98 is upon us. And oh, it is it's my it's the most wonderful time of the year. People usually football fans usually celebrate the Super Bowl. And I love the Super Bowl and I've you know hosted Super Bowl parties for years. But for me, my Super Bowl as a Browns fan has always been the draft. And it is Wednesday around 11:13, April 22nd, the night before the draft. 10 years after my original night before the draft post, well before I had a podcast, well before I was like on Twitter nearly as much as I am now, it was back when all I had was uh, like my Dell computer and PowerPoint and I would just, you know, basically show slides and write up things. But the story of the original night before the draft was... I was just, I couldn't sleep. It was a sophomore in college, so you didn't need to sleep. And I was like, I just couldn't stop thinking about the draft. I was like, the Browns, I really wanted Ndamukong Sue that year. And I was like, all right, that's not going to happen. The Browns pick seventh. He's nowhere, you know, near seven. He's going to be, you know, way, you know, gone way before that. But I really thought Eric Berry would go to us. And then Eric Berry went right before the Browns. And the Browns got Joe Hayden, which. Believe it or not, wasn't a bad pick. Joe Hayden actually had a really nice career with Cleveland, and now he's doing well with Pittsburgh. But uh, that night, the night before the draft, I posted a note to Facebook doing my mock draft. Uh, and mock drafts, you know, there were plenty of them around, but they weren't nearly as popular as they are today because, you know, Twitter wasn't as popular. And, uh, you know, there weren't as many, like, draft websites as there are now. So like they weren't around and I just, I posted my mock draft, but I made it a little different. I was like, okay, I want to make mine like in, you know, uh, a poem, like a poetic form. So I, I like basically, you know, made it like kind of like a mocky poem and had so much fun with it. And it turned out to be like super accurate. I got even like one of the trades right. And I got Tebow going right at the perfect spot in round one and everything kind of just like fell into place. I had like 14 picks in a row. I nailed, which like looking back it's not that impressive because that draft it was like really obvious who was taking who there was like all right if the you know if Eric Berry doesn't get picked by the Chiefs he probably goes to the Browns but if he does the Browns would be taking a Joe Hayden or Earl Thomas uh but it was it was so much fun I had a lot of fun with it and then I parlayed that into a Sports Illustrated internship when I applied and used that as one of my like writing samples and it was just so much fun from there and 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 uh, I don't know. It, it just it, that memory brings me back a lot, and it, it, every year I think about that first ever. And I, I love the draft. It's I don't know why. It's just I guess it's a big sign of hope. And this year's not any different. You know, last year the Browns didn't have a first round pick. In recent years, the Browns have had a lot of multiple first round picks. They had multiple ones in uh, 2014, 2015. 2017, 2018, uh, they had zero in 2019. They're going to have one tomorrow uh, if they don't trade out, but that's a very big possibility. A lot of things to get to on this mock draft. Uh, I asked a lot of you to send in some questions, and you did not disappoint. I have a lot here. So I think I'm going to start this draft episode with some Q&A. And then I'll jump into the, the uh, mock draft, and then I'll do my all-Jake team announcements. 
But uh, yeah, so without further ado, let's jump right into the Jake Podcast Mock Draft 2020, whatever you know, whatever title you want to give it, Q&A, all right? So I'll, I'll just go one by one and we'll we'll see how it goes. So the uh, the first one is from, I got this from like a couple different Giant fans. And uh, so I kind of like grouped the questions together where they made sense. Uh, so Giants fans asked, how are the Giants going to screw this up? Who are the Giants taking? What is the biggest need for them? And, you know, like I, I think the way they screw this up and I don't think they can really screw it up that bad. It would be really hard to screw it up because they're at pick number four and there are so many needs that they have that even if they whiff on a couple different positions and, and, and go and take like C.D. Lamb, who they really don't need. C.D. Lamb's going to be awesome for Daniel Jones. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to take an offensive tackle. Like they're doing, there's there's no way they're not doing it. There was mumblings about Isaiah Simmons, and I think that's the worst case scenario is they take Isaiah Simmons, they plug him in to be their Mike linebacker or their strong safety, and they say, okay, just do that and be great. And they don't use him to his full potential. I think that's the worst case scenario for Giants fans. They take the Swiss Army knife and they use him for one thing. Think about it like that. If you get a Swiss Army knife that can do so many different things, but you only do it to cut steak, you're going to be really upset. So use the Swiss Army knife the way he's intended to be. And frankly, Giants fans, you shouldn't be taking Isaiah Simmons. He's not going to make you guys any better. Your defense needs a lot of pieces. He can't do everything for the defense um you're not going to get chase young so forget about that uh i would pass on isaiah simmons okuda would be a strong pick because he plays one of the most important positions in football but i think sticking him on an island and playing 10 on 10 when you're on defense isn't going to make you any better either okuda might be a good pick for the for the giants in two years they're going to take offensive tackle and the way i see it is there's four that they could take. And there's been mumblings about who they might take. Early on, it was Becton. You know, you had Daniel Jeremiah mocking Becton to them well early in the draft process. Um, it there it, teams have really like cooled on him recently. There has been really not a lot of talk of Makai Becton. I really do think he's gonna slip out of the top ten. Um and it's mainly because in the, you know, he just doesn't have the same amount of like NFL film that the other guys have. He doesn't have the true pass sets playing at Louisville. And a lot of teams are going to say, well, you know, if it's him versus any of the other three, the other three had a lot of like pro style games. And that's a safer thing to go with. Becton's ceiling is through the roof. And, you know, he's going to go to a team in the first half of the first round. But I don't think see it being the Giants. Um they're going to end up going with, I think, Jedrick Wills because there's a lot of talk. Uh, he could step in and play right tackle right away. He's a bully. He's nasty. He's got a mean streak. Uh, the really, and and he's he's got like a great pass set too. Like his pass drop, uh, um, his pass blocking drop sets are are really good. And I think that's just where they're going to go. Um, they could go Werfs. He's my favorite offensive lineman. Or Andrew Thomas, who I think is the safest. Uh, but it just sounds like Wills. He's the type of Gettleman-type pick. And they want to trade down, but Gettleman's never traded down before. I don't think they're going to trade down because I don't think anyone they want to trade down with is close enough. You know, um, Denver wants to trade up, but that's 15. Uh, Atlanta's 16. 
you have Miami's all the way down at 18 after they're at number five. They're not swapping with you five or four. So I don't think the teams that they the they want to trade with want to trade up. So uh, I think the Giants stay put. They take Jedrick Wills, and I think that's a pretty good pick. Okay, uh, next question. This is from Tommy. Uh, uh, Tom wants to know, do the Pats get the quarterback they want if they want one, and where does Tua go? Uh, okay, I'm going to get to Tua in a little bit because I have a lot to say about Tua. In terms of the Patriots, though, I don't think they're going quarterback. I think they could strike a deal for Jordan Love. However, I think it's going to be a little too rich for them. And I don't see Bill Belichick investing all of his chips into Jordan Love. Now, if a quarterback were to fall and they're, you know he gets by 15-16 and now the Patriots are in that strike zone where they can move up, I think that'd be really interesting to see them make a trade for Herbert or Love. But I, I don't see it being Tua... I don't see them making a big splash as of right now. And I just think uh, Belichick would... It, it, I think they like Jared Stidham. I know that's crazy to say, but I think he kind of fits the mold of what Belichick does, and he's a leader, and everybody in the locker room already likes him. And wouldn't it be very Bill Belichick to just have the backup, Tom Brady's backup, take over and be good? He doesn't even want to prove that he doesn't need to go up and get big-time quarterbacks, that he can make anybody good. So I think they're sticking with Stidham for now. And, uh, you know, I think that's crazy. But you know what? Who am I to question Bill Belichick? All right, from Zach. Um, Zach said, I've heard rumors that the Eagles are very high on Lamb. Uh, do you think they'd have to trade up to get him? And how far is he the number one wide receiver? Um, they would absolutely have to trade up to get him. There's no way he gets past. Uh, I mean, Oakland at 12 really likes him. San Francisco is at 13, and they they need a wide receiver, and he would fit them perfectly. Denver at 15, uh, you know, no one really knows which wide receiver Denver's after, but even they would be a great pick. So, you know, Eagles at 21, if they want C.D. Lamb, they're going to have to move up to get him. And I think the Jets would even take him at 11 if, if the Jets' preferred tackles are gone. So I think if the Eagles want C.D. Lamb... Browns at 10 is a really nice trade partner, and I could definitely see that going through. Andrew Barry used to work with the Eagles. He's now the Browns GM, so there's like a connection there. The um, Howie Roseman has dealt with the Browns before uh, when Andrew Barry wasn't even the GM of the Browns when he was an assistant on the staff. So there's a lot of connection there, and that was the, the Carson Wentz trade um, in 2016. So um, there's a lot of connections there. They could definitely make this happen. And uh, the Browns are obviously looking to move down. They've made that pretty clear. And the Eagles really want a one, number one wide receiver. I love C.D. Lamb. I think if the Eagles moved up to get him, it would probably cost them a two and, and maybe a three. You know, the Browns moved down from 10 to 22 uh, a couple years ago. And it, and it cost them, um, Houston a number one over, uh, number one pick. You know, the, the next year's first round pick. So... I think uh, if the Browns are going to go to 10 to 21, it would likely cost the Eagles either a two and a three or maybe next year's one. Uh, I think it's worth it for CD Lamb, though. I think that guy is legit um, and he's the number one wide receiver. Okay, so Drew and Ryan are next up. Um, will OJ Howard get traded and for what? What teams will make a big trade in this draft? I'm going to talk lots of trades in my mock draft because. I have a lot of trades happening. I think there are so many teams in the 
back half of the draft that want to move up. And there are a good amount of teams in the 7 through like 13 range that want to move down. And I think we could have a lot of action. Teams like Jacksonville, Cleveland could really want to move down. Arizona wants to move down. I Carolina says they don't want to, but they're in a really prime position. And I think if they get blown away with an offer, uh, it could be a nice way to start Matt Rule's you know tenure there with like adding another first round pick if they move from like seven to fifteen or something. So Carolina, Arizona, I could see both moving down. Jacksonville, uh, Cleveland. That's seven, eight, nine, ten right there. I could see them all moving down, and I could see teams like Philadelphia wanting to make a move up. Uh, New Orleans, if they want to make a big splash, they're one of those teams that like they're a Super Bowl contender, and if they see one big time player and they can go get him, that could really take their team over the top. Like, you know, luxury picking is dangerous. You know, when you have a team picking for luxury, that's when you have them taking a good group on their team and making it an elite group in the league. So I would say watch out for New Orleans. Watch out for maybe even Green Bay if they want to move up and get a wide receiver. Uh, Philadelphia for sure. Uh, Denver, I think, uh, really wants to move up. Tampa Bay absolutely wants to move up. And everyone knows Atlanta wants to move up. Uh, I, I think those are all the teams to watch out for. And, of course, Miami's going to make a trade. They have three first-round picks, and uh, they want a quarterback. And right now, at number five, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be happy at five if I wanted a quarterback. I'd want to move up. Okay. Um, Owen asked, uh, How is it fair that in a free market economy, players are drafted and have their labor rights limited in professional sports? Okay, Owen, well, they entered the draft. They signed up for it. So uh, if they didn't want it, they uh, shouldn't have done that. And besides, the uh, the NFL players have a union, and the union fought for this, and this is a brand new deal the union sounds very happy with. J.C. Treader, president of the Players Union, has made it really clear that they like the situation. So um, you tell me. If uh, you you know sign on to coach somewhere and uh, they don't give you millions of dollars, uh you know, are you going to rile up some feathers? I don't know. Okay, so next question. Uh, Matt asked, Browns trade picks for Trent? And uh, Chris wants to know what it's like to be in draft purgatory with the Browns. Okay, so a couple of, a couple of phonies there. So um, I don't think there's such thing as draft purgatory in the NFL. Because A, the NFL is the one league where you can go from good to bad really quickly and bad to good pretty quickly as well. We've seen it every year where a team from last pace jumps to first and vice versa. Um, I think the Browns are in actually a pretty decent shape at at the 10th pick right now. I do think they want to move down, but if they wanted to get a premier left tackle, they're in a really good spot for that. Uh, In terms of... The Trent Williams stuff, it's flying around tonight. However, I um you know, I don't think anything with Trent Williams happens until after the first round. I think the Browns want to see everything play out. If a guy like Tristan Wirfs falls to them, they're just gonna say, you know what? Um, we're not getting the offers for ten we hoped, and Wirfs is just fine by us. We're gonna take the twenty one year old who's gonna be here for the next ten years, rather than Trent Williams, who you don't know how long you're gonna get out of him. Um, they're definitely not going to trade a first-round pick. This is Andrew Berry. He doesn't trade high draft picks for players. That was the old regime. That was John Dorsey. Andrew Berry is cut from the different cloth, the cloth that says, 
you know, we value picks. And if we think player B is is almost as good as player A and we can get multiple picks to trade down and get player B, they're going to do the player B route. And they're going to do it 10 times out of 10. So I expect the Browns to trade down. Um, and you know what? I don't even, uh, at this point, I don't even hate it. I uh, It just depends on who they get and who they're going for. All right. Uh, what, what do we got up next? You know what? And I almost forgot to answer. Uh, Drew and Ryan earlier asked, will OJ Howard get traded? Um, I forgot. I do think he does get traded. Um, I think if Tampa Bay looks to get into the top 10, to get a right tackle, they severely need a right tackle upgrade. And they've made it clear that they're going for it all with this Tom Brady and Gronk stuff. I expect them to say, you know what? In our first round, we need to address the offensive tackle position. And in the second round, we know they want to get a running back. And that could be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. could be J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I mean, it could be Jonathan Taylor. But I think O.J. Howard is what they might use to move up to get into the top 10. They want to trade a third and O.J. Howard to get to nine. Jacksonville's going to need more than that. So maybe two-thirds and O.J. Howard, maybe like a future third. Or if they just if if they say you know what let's just do it let's trade the two and uh, you know what they can get a running back in round three or four running backs are not that hard to find you could trade a four for Kareem Hunt right now I guarantee it um, but I do think OJ Howard is on the trade block uh, but Jason Licht is not gonna trade him for nothing he he's a smart businessman um, and and the worst comes to worst OJ Howard is the best you know second tight end in the league you know so that's great a great spot for them to be in um okay so uh one of my another big question we got all right from all aboard the giants train choo choo okay that's a good good handle what quarterback should the jets take with their first pick how do the jets screw up this draft and what is their biggest need okay so number one the jets should not take a quarterback uh at all in this draft uh, I know some Giants fans think that Sam Darnold stinks. And I do think that he has some areas he needs to improve in. However, they they are building this team around him. And it would be unwise to pivot now. Uh, if they don't like Sam Darnold, they would have already addressed that. But they love Sam Darnold. And to get the most out of him, you need to protect him. You need to give him weapons, and you need to give him a game plan that's going to work. Whether him and Adam Gase is going to work together, we'll figure that out. But the one thing you got to do is you got to keep him upright. And um, I think that's why they're going to address his protection first with uh, getting him maybe Makai Becton, uh, maybe getting him Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, uh, whichever of those tackles is available for them at 11. If they do miss out on the tackles, I think they can get one in the second round, it, it, it might be a little riskier to wait there. Um, but if they miss out on the tackles, that probably means they get their pick among the wide receivers. And C.D. Lamb for Sam Darnold would be a really great draft day gift. Uh, I think Jerry Judy would be also another really good uh, addition for them. I had a Fix the Jets uh, episode last week on the podcast, and I had them trade down. They still got Jerry Judy. Uh, That really worked out for them well. Uh, However, 
I think if they stay at 11, they're going to be taking a tackle or C.D. Lamb. But there are ways for the Jets to improve. They have It's right in front of them. And, uh, you know, the Jets typically sit and don't get aggressive. They just take the best player available to them. It's usually been regardless of need. I would hope that they don't draft a defensive player again, though. Their defense is really good. It's um, I think they just need to be able to control the ball more. They were... <clears throat> excuse me, they were one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of scoring last year. And I know, you know, Sam Darnold missed a good chunk of games and they were terrible in those games that he missed, but um, they really need to be able to protect him. And if they can do that with a draft pick of Mekhi Becton uh, or a pick of Jedrick Wills, I think that's a great, you know, a great step in the right direction. And they can get wide receivers on day two, too, um, as well. So, you know, maybe a pick of Jedrick Wills. And then in the second round, they go Michael Pittman Jr. I think that's a great start. And then they can uh, possibly start to, you know, address other needs after that. Like, you know, finding Le'Veon Bell's replacement because you can't be paying running backs that much. And uh, especially they'll have to pay Sam Darnold soon. So uh, that's what I got the Jets doing. And I think I think they're going to stick to that. I think it's going to fall into their favor. <clears throat> okay, so... I want to do a couple rapid-fire questions. I want to get a couple out here. So uh, we're going to do rapid-fire and just get them done with. Okay. Most overrated player going in the top 10 right now. I would say it's Justin Herbert, to be honest. Uh, I've seen a lot of big boards have him as the number four player overall, and I think that's hogwash. This this player, this draft is loaded, and Justin Herbert's not nearly as good as some of those guys. Um, he has the talent to be a franchise quarterback, but... I think he is being a little overrated right now, and uh, um, I think it's it's kind of just like upsetting to see that because there are much better players than him. <clears throat> okay, um, Love versus Hurts for quarterback four. It's easily Jordan Love for me. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts. I think uh, you know he's kind of tapped into all of his potential though. Like you, what you see is what you get with him. He doesn't have accuracy downfield. Um, but he is a smart player. He's a, he's the toughest worker in the world. And, uh, I mean, I think he can do what Dak Prescott does. No question. So in that regards, I like him, but Jordan Love has no ceiling. Um, you know, people are saying like, you know, they like to say Pat Mahomes and I'm not going to say he is Pat Mahomes, but he's got that same no ceiling caliber of play of he can throw it wherever he throws strikes. If he could just fix up his like decision-making, and kind of like, you know, get like a red shirt year to adjust to the NFL. He can be dangerous and he could definitely be the best player from this draft. So uh, Jordan Love, easy for me there. Okay, uh, is Cesar Ruiz the best center in the draft? He most certainly is the best center in the draft. Uh, this is a weak interior offensive line draft. I think Ruiz is probably the only interior offensive lineman that goes on day one. Uh, Cowboys at 17 seems to be the highest point he would go. Uh, later you'll see where I have him going, but I think if the Cowboys trade down a couple spots, they could take him. Um, but I think he goes day one. I think he goes somewhere in the twenties as high as 17. Uh, he's good. I like him. And I don't say that about a lot of Michigan players. Um, will draft get hacked at all? And what percentage would you say there'll be of technical difficulties? There will 100% be technical difficulties. Um, I don't know how much it will affect the actual draft. I don't think there's going to be actual like fallout from technical difficulties. I don't think any team misses a pick or anything like that. 
I just think that it'll make things take longer and it'll be a long night. Uh, that's what I think. Um, I don't think anyone's getting hacked. Uh, I think that'd be crazy. But again, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the setup's going to be and I don't know what they're expecting. Okay. What is the, oh, this is a good one. Who will be the fantasy rookie of the year um, non-quarterbacks? Uh, I think it's going to be Lamb. I think it's just like whoever's drafting him, he's going to be the number one wide receiver. Um, if he goes to the Raiders, I think, you know, he's going to be, it, it, he's primed to be rookie of the year. He'll be like a top 10 wide receiver, I think, if he goes to the Raiders. Uh, same with Philly. You know, Philly moves up to get him. Even if the Jets take him, I think he'd be good. Um, I'm, I'm just not so sure, uh, any of the running backs, you know, I, I like some of the running backs. I just don't know who's going to go after them. And it's like, if teams like Tampa or Kansas city, or, I mean, I, I don't even know who's, who is looking for a running back right now. I feel like a lot of the running backs are going to be splitting the load. There's not going to be like any bell cow backs right out of the gate. So I think it's going to be a wide, and there's definitely no tight end. That's going to be the rookie fancy rookie of the year. So, um, it's going to be one of the receivers. And I just think CD lamb is going to be put into a position to succeed early. Um, and whoever drafts him is going to want production early. Uh, so I think CD lamb is going to be the fancy rookie of the year. And I think he'll be with either the Raiders, the Eagles in a trade up or possibly the Niners or Broncos. Uh, those would be my four teams, I guess. Okay. Predict the top five in order. Okay. I'm going to start with Burrow and Chase Young. I think that's pretty obvious by now. Both teams are kind of locked in on those two. There's going to be last-second chatter but uh, you know about teams wanting to move up, but I think those two are set. Number three, I'm going to say that uh, either the Chargers or the Dolphins move up for Tua. I think it'll be the Dolphins. Um, and then number four, this is where it gets tricky. You know, I, I, Those first three I cruised through, but... Um, number four, I think the Giants end up taking Wills. I think they just look at him as really safe. And after hearing Daniel Jeremiah talk about what the NFL thinks of offensive tackles, um, maybe the Giants do take Wills out of Alabama. And then the fifth player, uh, I'll, I'll say Akuda. A lot of people say that right now, uh, Detroit might be leaning Derek Brown, but I think, uh, I think Matt Patricia will say, you know what? We trade down two spots. We take Jeff Akuda. He fits like what they want to do on defense. Everyone's happy. Uh, a pretty pretty safe player in this draft, by the way. Okay, um, AJ Terrell famously got burned in the national championship. Uh, do you consider him a first round pick? You know, he did get burned, but he's a really good player, and I think all it takes is one team. You know. And people have said that about Seattle a lot. And I'd love to say that. Like, you know, oh, he's not a first-round pick. Well, it's like, well, if someone takes him in the first round, he is a first-round pick. All it takes is one GM to fall in love with him. And I think that GM is going to be Mike Mayock. And Mayock's got two first-round picks. At 12 and 19, the Raiders, they have a lot of needs. They're already a pretty good team. And I think uh, if they dress wide receiver with their first pick, and unless that you know, unless they get goofy and they go after like Jordan Love or Justin Herbert, they're gonna want a tough defensive player with that second pick. It was about this time last year that he started tipping his hand to Cleveland Farrell. He took three Clemson players in last year's draft, Mayock for the Raiders. And I bet he likes, you know, to he's gonna want a couple Trayvon Mullen, 
with his ex-teammate AJ Terrell. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I don't think he's scared of taking Terrell at 19. I think he says, you know what? I'm going to take him at 19. I'm going to pair him with my other corner. And we're going to be pretty happy about this pairing, this duo going forward. He's building a tough, hard-nosed defense. Not a lot of corners tackle the way Terrell does as well in this draft. So I think uh, I think that's an obvious fit there. Okay, do the cards go offensive line or defense? I think they go offensive line. Got to go. Kyler Murray was sacked 45 times as a rookie. You have to keep him upright. There's going to be plenty of great offensive tackles at eight. Take an offensive tackle. Um, any late round wide receivers I like? Yeah, I like a ton. Um, my favorite one is Omar Bayless, uh, who's a wide receiver out of Arkansas State. I think, uh, I mean, his numbers were poor at the combine. And a lot of people are going to say that look at that and then look at his, um, you know, his competition. He played at Arkansas State. So, okay, you know, you combine, you combine those two things. He's obviously going to be a day three guy, but he's got glue for hands. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't run the best routes, but if he could find a way to fit into an offense, I think he's got great hands and he's got great moves. I'd be really excited to see him on the field. Um, you know, if we're talking late, another another late guy, I really like Joe Reed out of uh, Virginia. He doesn't drop anything. His, his combine numbers were fine, or, I mean, his testing numbers were fine. So um, I think uh, Reed out of Virginia would be another one that I really like. Uh, Omar Bayless and it really just comes down to who falls because there's so many good ones Quintez Cephas uh, you ask all the Ohio State corners who's the toughest guy that they had to guard all year and they all said Quintez Cephas out of um, out of Wisconsin and then it comes down to guys like does Michael Pittman or Brian Edwards or uh, or Donovan Peoples-Jones there are so many good wide receivers that should be going on day two but you know some of them might fall to day three uh, I'll be really excited to see who goes there and who falls into like the day, you know, pick round four, round five. Uh, Devin DuVernay out of Texas, that kid can fly. And uh, outside of just being small, he's a really good football player. And Colin Johnson, his teammate, huge out of Texas, did not run well. But on the field, he seems to be like, you know, he seems to have football speed. So those are a couple of those day three wide receivers I, I do really like. Okay, Tua or Herbert going first? Uh, I'm back and forth on this, but right now I'm leaning Tua. If the medicals check out like people say they are, uh, I, I think there's no doubt he's the pick. Um, you know, There was a lot of smoke for a while that Miami wanted Herbert. I think that was just uh, just to kind of you know mess around a little bit and see what people were thinking and what, and what they could do. I really do think that Miami wants Tua. <laughs> And I think they'll go up and get him. And I think the Chargers are going to be the ones to sit and wait. Um, another question, does Herbert stink? Uh, I don't think he stinks. I think he's just overrated. I think he's a good quarterback prospect. I think he's got uh, decent mobility. Not great, but like, <clears throat> you know, decent. I think he's got great arm strength. Um, I think he needs to figure out how to put like touch on the ball and how to fit him into like the intermediate windows. And we'll see how his uh, decision making goes to the pros because he, you know, he's in one of those offenses where it doesn't take a lot of uh, decision making by the quarterback. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. I just think he's super overrated. I don't think he stinks though. Again, he was possibly going to be the first overall pick last year uh, before deciding to stay, and then the Kyler Murray blow up. So 
Uh, just remember, it wasn't too long ago that people were thinking very highly of him. Okay, and the final of the rapid fire. Who would you rather have going forward? Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Justin Herbert, or Jordan Love? All right, I think I made it obvious that I wouldn't be picking Justin Herbert. Um, I think I would have Jordan Love on here. You know, I um, I just love... You know, no pun intended, but I love his ceiling. And if I'm going to be taking a quarterback to, you know, lead the team, I would I would say love because he just has this. I mean, he's got no ceiling, and if you could coach him up, it, he can be really great. Uh, I do like the safety net that Daniel Jones provides, and I think he um he's a good enough quarterback for the Giants to build around. I think you know a lot of people freaked out last year when they drafted him because he looks like Eli and he's got that face and. You know David Cutcliffe and all of like the connections that made it kind of like you know eye roll, but you know he's he's a good quarterback and I think they can be just fine with him, even if he's not going to be ever be like the best quarterback in the division. Um, but you know like that was kind of like Eli's thing was Eli was never really the best quarterback. He was just always pretty good, and then he had two magical playoff runs, and that's you know that's how he got into the Hall of Fame. So. I think Daniel Jones is the type of guy that, like, hey, he's a good leader, he's a good quarterback, and uh, that's all you need. Build around him. Uh, so I would go with, in, in order, Love, Jones, Darnold, Herbert. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we got another question from the Brothers Cunningham. Why isn't Jonathan Taylor getting any coverage? And why isn't uh, J.K. Dobbins considered running back one? Uh, who is the first running back to go in the draft? So we got, I think that's three different questions about the running back position. Um, you know, Taylor not getting any coverage, I think is just a product of what we expect in the NFL draft now. After Saquon Barkley went number two overall to the Giants in 2018, I think teams are, are now realizing it's like, look, you know, running back is, you know, even if he's, Saquon was a special talent, an elite player, and kind of like not a running back we're not going to see again for a while and even even considering all of that he still wasn't like the right pick to take that high because he's not going to make your team all that better when you take a running back early is when you have all the other pieces and then you say okay now it's time to take the running back because running backs are already in the prime of their career and after that four-year five-year rookie deal you don't want to re-sign them again because it never works out in your favor so the idea is you take them when you're ready to commit and when you're ready to push and you're ready to make the playoffs. Like Kansas City now taking a running back is great because they just won the Super Bowl. Now would be a great time for them to take a running back that they could just feed the rock to. Um, and I think that's why you don't see so much talk about these running backs is because A, they're easily replaceable. Um, B, there's so much other talent in this draft that these running backs are getting washed out because of that as well. Um, you know, so you combine those two things, but then also consider the fact that, you know, day two and day three running backs can contribute right away. So why would I take a first round pick on a running back, um, you know, like, you know, DeAndre Swift, when I can get one in the third round, use him. And then just toss him when I'm done. I, I hate to admit it, but that's like, you know, that's what the running back position is now. So 
unless you're the Titans and like let's say you lose Derrick Henry and then it's like okay Jonathan Taylor is a perfect replacement you take him in the second round you don't even take him in the first round because if he, you know let's say he, he goes and you miss him you say okay we'll go get a different running back like you don't need to get a special running back to run your offense um, unless all you do is give the ball to the running back like Christian McCaffrey or Saquon um, but it's just repl- running back is just so easily replaceable in this league that's why uh, and then why isn't J.K. Dobbins running back one I think a lot of people are considering Dobbins running back one because they look at him as they, they say you know he looked smaller than he actually was it was weird but he because he runs like low to the ground and he doesn't have the shaky hips that uh, Swift has but he is going to be like a bell cow running back and I think it just depends on who takes him but I could see him being the first running back off the board. I'm not going to guess him. I'm going to say it's Swift. And I think it's going to be in that. I, I think Kansas City will take a running back first. I don't like Miami at 26 could be a running back spot. I, I would think that that's a bad idea. So I'll say that it's possibly Kansas City at 32 or if they trade down because I know they want to trade down. They definitely don't want to keep that 32nd pick. They want to move out. Um, let's say they move down four or five spots. That's when I see. I see the first five, six picks of day two is going to be a running back, and they'll be the first running back. And it could be Dobbins. Oh, there are a lot of different draft nicks out there that have J.K. Dobbins as their best. Kyle Krabs, one of the guys at the draft network, he has J.K. Dobbins as the 13th best player. So, you know, it's just that running backs aren't going to get talked about when they're so easily replaceable. Okay. Uh, do. Do wants to know, will the Cowboys draft a quarterback as insurance for the Dak situation. Um, well, they're not going to do it in the first round. Uh, they're clearly going to try and do their best to surround Dak and make sure that, you know, when this whole thing gets figured out, they're going to surround him with the most amount of talent so that they can win. Uh, I, I'm not a big Dak fan, but they're in this bed, so they might as well just figure it out. Uh, so I would say... That the Dallas Cowboys, if they take a quarterback, it'll be, it'll be one of the like maybe a third round pick. I think they, sh- I think it'd be great if they went out and got Jalen Hurts and just made him the guy and just moved on. Um, but I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're going to with the seventeenth pick probably get like a center or like a defensive stud. And it'd be really smart for them to go get another wide receiver and just like you know kind of like give this offense another punch. But um, uh. If they get a quarterback, I don't think it'll be, unless it's Hurts in round two, I, I really don't think it'll be until like day three when they kind of just draft one, you know, not even as insurance at that point because it's not like the guy's going to be able to step in right away. So I'd say no. No, they don't. Okay. Um, okay, I got a couple last questions before we'll move on. Um Okay, I've seen uh, Ryan asked. I've seen Isaiah Simmons listed as a linebacker and a safety. What's his best position? Uh, his best position, Ryan, is that he doesn't play a position. I said a little bit before about you know what uh, the you know what Simmons does and and how he's a Swiss Army knife and how the best thing to do is play him all over the place and don't stick him to just one spot. Let him do everything. So I think. You know, if you just play him as a traditional linebacker, you're going to be a little disappointed. You're going to say, wow, he's super athletic, but you're not asking him to do enough. Um, 
And if you play him at safety, you're going to say, okay, well, I hope he's not just a traditional safety because you want him down in the box. You want him around the ball. Um, I think it really just depends on who he goes to, but his best position is no position. And it's almost like they should just invent and you know make up a word for him. And even if it's just calling him like the star defender uh, and you just say like, okay, like, you know, Simmons is your star and, uh, you know, he just does whatever. On some play, plays, he'll cover the tight end. On some plays, he'll be the fifth guy. You know, he'll be like blitzing the quarterback. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have him twisting and stunting with defensive linemen. Uh, other plays, you'll have him being like kind of like your your big nickel. And then other plays, you'll have him as like a roaming quarterback spy or a safety. I think that's the best way you use him is basically that you don't know what to expect him from him. I really like him. I think he's going to be great. Uh, I just hope that whoever drafts him, drafts him accordingly. Like, I think he's the type of player that you put on your defense and you say, okay, he is spying Lamar Jackson today. And then the the offense, you know, has to account for the fact that there's this guy that's always going to be lurking and going to be hitting the quarterback on every play. I think that changes things, you know, and I think uh, if you use him like that, that could be really beneficial. So, uh, all right, last, I'll say like two questions. Okay. All right, Kyle asked, my question would be about Tua. I believe history shows that great college quarterbacks from teams that rely heavily on a coaching staff system and stacked rosters who also dealt with serious injuries never meet expectations in the NFL. Does Tua drop does Tua does Tua drop to the later rounds? That's an extremely specific example, Kyle. Um I'll say this. Tua definitely benefited from the fact that he had better tackles at Alabama than he'll have in the NFL, especially if he goes to Miami. <laughs> um, he's playing with four first-round picks at wide receiver. You know, He's got two this year with Ruggs and Judy, and he'll have two next year with Smith and Waddle, and I think Smith's actually the best of them all. So you know, consider that. And he's always had a, a stout run game too, and, and you know, Nick Saban's one of the greatest coaches in any sport of all time. So, yeah, Tua walked into a great situation. But everything about the kid you love, um, he throw he has some zip and he throws some piss missiles, and uh, I, there's there's not much to critique him on. I think his motion can be very like windmilly at times. Uh, I try to tell myself like that's just the leftiness of it throwing me off. It's not Tim Tebow just because he's also a lefty and he's an athlete from the SEC. Um, I tried to tell myself that. But we'll end up seeing. I mean, and obviously the health is going to be a huge issue. Like, if his hip isn't good and it's holding him back, well, then, yeah, no, there's no doubt that's going to be a problem. But if it's if it's just, oh, from the system he came from, I don't know. He's the type of quarterback that he could have went anywhere. Like, if Tua went to Notre Dame... Or if Tua went to Oklahoma, or if Tua went to, you know, basically pick a school, he would have been very successful at any of the schools he went to. And then he would have come out of the, and, you know, after three years, go to the NFL draft, and no one would question the, the, the system he was in because he'd perform wherever he was at. So that's what I would say to that. Um, okay. All right. That's it. That's it for the Q&A. Thank you, everyone, for, um, for, for, for asking questions. I think this was uh, really great. I'm really excited for the draft and I'm going to be dropping my mock draft in a little bit. This is uh, 
This is great. Okay, so thank you all, and uh, let's mock draft time now. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Jake. This is the 2020 NFL mock draft. I have, I've gone through this a lot. This is, you know, a lot of people do different things for the mock draft. They do what they think might happen or what they would do or what, you know, they just try to have fun with it. They, you know, they try to, you know, pick apart things that they've been listening to. This mock is what I would do for each team. So I, I put my brain and said, okay, you are this team. What would you do? And I made trade offers to those picks from teams, but only trade offers I would accept. Uh, I would offer if I was the team offering it. And I only accepted the trade if I thought it was good for that team. So I was very fair through this whole process. Now, without further ado, here we go with the final, the Jake Podcast mock draft for the 2020 NFL Draft. All right, number one, Cincinnati. They're taking Joe Burrow. It's pretty obvious. I think it's a good choice for them. Uh, They're a team that they have a lot of weapons to give Burrow. And as much as Chase Young would scare the shit out of me in the AFC North for years to come, Joe Burrow is the, as a Browns fan, um, but Joe Burrow is the right choice for Cincinnati, and they're going to make that official uh, tomorrow. So, number two, uh, Washington, they're going to get a lot of trade offers. Atlanta is going to try and move up. They're going to try and get that number two pick. They're going to go all the way from 16. Miami's going to possibly make an offer. Maybe Detroit tries to say, you know what, what does it take to flip picks? Washington, stay the course. Take Chase Young. He's a franchise-changing defensive end. All of a sudden, you add Chase Young to that front that Washington's building, Ron Rivera is going to have a very scary defensive front, and I think the Redskins are on their way to being a pretty good team. Uh, and then, you know what? Uh, you worry about surrounding Haskins uh, later, but a front of Montez Sweat and uh, and Chase Young with Ryan Kerrigan and those Alabama D-tackles that they've drafted in the last couple of years... That's nasty. That's That could be really good. Okay, number three. Uh, this is where a lot of trades have come in. Detroit uh, turned down an offer with Atlanta. They didn't want to f- go that far down to 16. Um, there was another trade offer as well. Uh, I'm not actually going to reveal that right now because I, that might come up in a little bit. But one trade that, that did make sense was Miami. Flipping five and three and only moving a second round pick. It was a very last second call. Detroit said, you know what, Miami, if you want, if you want them, you you come get them. And Miami said, you know what? No, we're calling your bluff. We're going to stay at five. And Detroit said, fuck, well, you know what? We'd rather move down two spots and get something out of this. This way, Matt Patricia can add a second round pick. He just moves two spots down. Miami moves up and they take Tua. I think it's a great move. Uh, if you love the guy like you say you do, you go get him. You go make it happen. Um, I wouldn't blame them if they trade a first-round pick to get him. I just don't think there's going to be a premium because I think Miami's going to call their bluff, Detroit's bluff, and say, you know what, you, you just stay there and take him. And you know we know the Giants aren't going to trade down, so we'll stay here at five and we'll take uh, you know we'll take Tua and two picks. So um, no. Miami moves up. They take Tua. Number four, um, I, this is the first time where I think what will happen and what I think should happen aren't the same thing. Um, what I have the Giants doing is taking Tristan Wirfs' tackle out of Iowa. I think Wirfs is super safe, and he can play multiple positions across the offensive line. 
So if it doesn't work out at left tackle, you can swing him over to right tackle where he played the majority of his college career and say, okay, he's going to be a fine right tackle. And at the very worst, he'll be a very, very, very good offensive guard. A lot of people thought he would be a guard and then he tested off the charts at the combine. So, you know, and, and a lot of that too is also his numbers of the combine were or were overshadowed by some bigger athletes. Uh, so, you know, his, his numbers were great, but there was just even more ridiculous combine numbers from like Ezra Cleveland. So I think the Giants should take Werfs because they can't go wrong and he'd fill out one of many holes on their offensive line. However, I do think they'll go Wills. Um, and, and you know what? That's fine too. I just would have gone Werfs. Um, all right, this is where I have Detroit taking Jeff Okuda. They move down two spots. They acquire a second-round pick, the number 39 pick, and they still get Jeff Okuda. Uh, this is really good, and uh, I do think this is this will happen. I just think they might stay at three and take Okuda. <coughs> and uh, if they do trade down, there's still a chance they don't take uh, Okuda. They take someone else, but right now I think this is a pretty safe bet for what will happen. I think it's a good idea. Okuda will be able to do exactly what Matt Patricia asked of the New England corners. And um, I think it's just a really good fit for for them because they're going to want uh, to compete. You know, he's not going to want to trade, uh, you know, f- down really far. He could have traded down with Atlanta, but, you know, n- next year one might not help him if he loses his job this year. He needs to compete now. And Okuda is as safe as a player to help right now as anyone. Okay, number six. The Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert falls right into their laps. Uh, this is what they wanted the whole time. Uh, Tom Tedesco, he is said to really like Herbert. I think they're kind of hiding their cards a little bit. They've been talking up Tyrod Taylor a lot, so much so that you're now starting to believe that they're going to take a quarterback. I don't think they get aggressive enough to go get Tua. I think they say, <clears throat> you know what, we're not a rookie quarterback away Um but if the guy is there for us at six, we'll make the play. And I think they do like Herbert. I think they can put him in there and sit him behind Tyrod Taylor for a little bit, Baker Mayfield style. And when the time comes, the time comes. Uh, number seven, okay, big trade. All right, I have Carolina trading down with Denver. Uh, Carolina gets a first-round pick in 2021, and they also get the number 15 pick. And uh, instead, Denver is selecting at number seven, and they take C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, I don't think Denver is going to get this aggressive to get a wide receiver. I think they might move up a couple picks. I think moving up eight and costing them a first, they're not going to be aggressive enough to do. But if I'm John Elway, and you might have found your, your quarterback in Drew Locke, you need to do whatever it takes to get him to be good. Uh, he went four and one down the stretch last year. Drew Locke. He uh, he has the intangibles. He has what it takes to be a winner. But you need to give him that number one wide receiver. I think Cortland Sutton would be a lower end number one wide receiver, but he would be one of the best number two wide receivers. They're going to end up with a wide receiver in this draft. They already have a good offensive line. They have a good running game. Uh, they just added Melvin Gordon. I th- and you know Noah Fant is a nice tight end that they got last year. It's just like they're they're just that one receiver away. And while some teams think okay, Rugs, you know the burner would make a lot of sense for them. That's true. And Judy the pre- Judy the precise route runner would be good great too. 
I think CeeDee Lamb is just a special player. And they should just say, you know what, we're all in. Let's go get him. And Drew Locke all of a sudden has this great young offensive core that they get really excited about. And uh, I, I got to say, if I'm a Denver Broncos fan, I'm pumped about that. Okay, number eight, Arizona has a couple players here. You know, they could take Isaiah Simmons right now. They could um, they could go wide receiver. They just they could have pulled on C.D. Lamb, but he's not there in this scenario. So I have Arizona taking Andrew Thomas. Uh, some people don't have him as the, I guess, third, oh, second best offensive lineman. I, I'm going second tackle off the board. But he's a plug-and-play starter at left tackle. He is very safe. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's going to protect the quarterback. And protecting Kyler Murray is super important for this team. So go take Andrew Thomas, plug him in, and be happy that your quarterback who got sacked 45 times as a rookie, that won't happen again. He will be much better protected this year. Take Andrew Thomas. Don't even fool around with trading down. You need a tackle. Okay, uh, number nine. I got another trade. I got a big string of trades coming up. But number nine. Jacksonville moves down uh, to 14 with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay sends O.J. Howard and a second-round pick uh, along with number 14 for the number nine. Okay, so a a big a big move, just a two a second rounder and O.J. Howard to move up uh, five spots. Jacksonville, you know what? They don't. I don't really know what direction they're going in right now. They might be tanking for next year's, uh, you know, for Lawrence and Fields. <clears throat> and if that's the case, this is a good way to do it. You know, you get uh, get a second round pick and you can possibly stack up on on some picks next year if you want to. If you trade out of those picks. And O.J. Howard, nice tight end. He would easily be the best tight end on their team. And one of the best receiving options they have because they really don't have much in the receiving game. Nine, uh, Jedrick Wills is the pick for Tampa. They move up because they say, you know what, we are all in on this Tom Brady machine right now, and we can't afford to sit there at 14 now that two tackles are gone through the top eight with the Browns and the Jets still to pick. So they jump the Browns and the Jets, they go get Jedrick Wills, and they plug him in at right tackle, and he is an easy, easy pick for Tampa. That's that's a perfect fit. <clears throat> all right, another trade here. Number 10, the Cleveland Browns are trading down six spots with the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons said to be wanting to move up to make a big play, maybe for Jeff Okuda, maybe for C.J. Henderson. Okuda was off the board at, at five. Henderson's on the board here. However, <clears throat> I think Atlanta shocks the world, and they draft Isaiah Simmons, the safety linebacker of Clemson. Uh, a lot of people don't think they need a player like that, but... If Dan Quinn looks at him and says, you know what, this is the star type of defender that we really need right now, they have some nice pieces here and there on the defense. But Isaiah Simmons, if used right, can be a really like just an unbelievable prospect. And and that's what they probably need. Um <clears throat> Atlanta has a a complete offense of first round picks. They don't need to go offense. They need to just leave that alone and let that gel together. What they need is defensive playmakers. There's not really an edge rusher I would make a move for. And while they could sit at 16 and just take a corner, I think moving up to get a star player like Isaiah Simmons is a great idea. Um, And Cleveland, they want to move back. They just missed out on 
Wills, Thomas, and Werfs. They could have taken Becton here. They could have taken Simmons. But <clears throat> I think the Browns look at that next wave of tackles and say, these guys aren't far behind that top wave. And the Browns want to move down. Okay, so number 11, what I say? It was going to drop right into the Jets' hands. The Jets take Mekhi Becton, tackle out of Louisville. Uh, this is simple. You need to keep Sam Darnold upright. Becton has great quickness for a tackle. His size, he weighs 365 pounds. He's an absolute monster, but it's hard to get around him, and he has pretty good quickness. He just keeps getting better and better, too. You see him practicing with the O-line coaches, and you see him really, really honing in the skills. He's going to be special if he can put it all together, and the Jets solve their biggest need at left tackle. Okay, number 12, Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders really loved CeeDee Lamb, but he is gone here. Uh, however, I think Jerry Judy is a great consolation prize. I love Judy. I think he's a uh, a stellar route runner, and he's a proven big-time player for Bama. And uh, I think, you know, it, we know Mike Mayock by now. He loves those winning school, winning program players. I think Judy's an obvious pick for them. Uh, if they're in with Derek Carr, you know, that they might be interested in making a move for Jordan Love. That'd be really interesting. But if I'm going to give Derek Carr the keys and say, hey, listen, we need you to be the guy. They gave him the running back last year. Uh, Darren Waller is a, is a you know, swell tight end. I don't know. Swell. Jesus. Uh, he's, he's a pretty good tight end. So, but everything, everyone else, you know, Antonio Brown didn't work out. Uh, Amari Cooper's gone. They have secondary receivers they need a number one and i think that's jerry judy i think that's a good pull for them okay this next pick uh san francisco got this 13th overall pick from indianapolis now it would make sense for san fran to stick here and say hey listen we can take henry ruggs and have that speed receiver that we you know got burned uh by in the super bowl uh, maybe they think that's their their only player, you know, that the one player away. However, uh, I know that San Francisco wants more picks, and they don't have a lot. They have 13, and they have 31. And this they look at, and they say, you know what? We're going to trade down here, and we're going to get the 53rd pick and the 21st pick just for this pick right here. So they, drew, they moved down eight picks with Philadelphia. Philadelphia gets desperate. They say, look, we need one of these top three receivers. And a guy like Henry Ruggs can take the top off the defense for Carson Wentz. Uh, they have other receivers that they can play underneath, but Ruggs would be a real awesome burner for them to have. And he's not just any burner. You know, a lot of these, you know, burners that don't have hands, he's got great hands. So Philadelphia makes a big splash moving up. San Fran, it, they bite the bullet and they move down to 21. They... A lot of people might not like that. A lot of Niners fans, they might want rugs there. But I think if I'm the Niners and I want those picks, moving down to 21 is the best way to get more picks. So now they have a second-round pick, and they still pick 21 and 31. Niners are in a good shape to add some uh, some talent. Okay, um, 14. Now this is after Jacksonville traded down. Uh, I, I love this trade down for them. If I was at 9, I would have considered taking Javon Kinlaw. Uh, now you're at 14, take Javon Kinlaw. It's, it's not that hard. He's uh, a terrific, explosive, interior rushing defensive tackle. And 
he has a lot, a lot of potential to get even better. Uh, Jacksonville has been dumping a lot of talent this year, so they could really use some youth on the defensive side uh, where they just got rid of Calais Campbell. They just got rid of A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. They could use some young upgrades. C.J. Henderson could be the other pick here, but to be honest, I don't look at Henderson as like a Jeff Okuda type, like lockdown, good tackling, all everything corner. So they have another first round pick. They can possibly get a cornerback with that one. Here though, <coughs> you take Javon Kinlaw. That's a great pick. Okay, at 15, Carolina after their big trade down uh, um, with Denver. They could have taken Derek Brown at 7 and been happy. This is just like the Jacksonville pick. Instead, they take him at 15. They get an additional first-round pick for taking a guy that they would have taken the, the you know all along. And they pay him less. So, uh, huge win for Carolina. They're, uh, you know, Matt Rule, great start there. Okay, number 16, uh, the Browns. They just traded down with Atlanta. They're trading down again, and this is a big trade down okay Cleveland gets a 20 uh 2021 first round pick to move down to 34 from 16 uh and Indianapolis moves up they give their first round pick next year to get Jordan Love the quarterback out of Utah State now I got one friend who's a big time Colts fan and he's gonna say why are we doing this we're all in on Philip Rivers right now well, I don't know how good Philip Rivers is right now. Uh, he wasn't that good last year. He was a middle-of-a-pack quarterback, and that was on a pretty stacked roster as well. You just missed out on all the top three wide receivers. So, like, what's the next move for Indianapolis here? I think it's it's kind of doing what Andy Reid did with Patrick Mahomes. He said, you know what? I have a good team with Alex Smith, but... I want to go and get this game-changing quarterback, sit him for a year, let him learn the game, and then when it's his time, you make the move to him. Jacoby Brissett's money comes off the books after this year. You can get out of Phillip Rivers in two years. I, th- I think you can actually get it out of him you know, after this year, too. I don't think he had a guaranteed second year. And when it's Jordan Love time, a lot of money frees up. Then you can go and you can make a play for some receivers next year, but... Uh, for now, when you have a chance to go get a franchise quarterback and Indianapolis does, you go make it happen. And for Cleveland, <laughs> and th- this is simple. They look at this and they say, we can get a good offensive tackle later, but getting an extra first-round pick, that's the Andrew Barry way. He's taking uh, he's taking the Sashi Brown method, and he says we can still get our left tackle. And don't forget, Trent Williams is still out there. So I think the Browns making splashes by adding a second and now a future first-round pick. Uh, they don't pick till 34, though, so they're done. All right, 17th pick, second half of the first round. <clears throat> All right, Jacksonville I have right now. They are at the 20th pick, and uh, d- you know they look at Dallas, and they say, hey, Dallas, what does it take to move up a couple spots? So Dallas gets a third to move down to the 20, to, to from 17 to 20. And Dallas... You know, they do this because there are a lot of players that they could take at 17. They could take um, Caleb Von Chason out of LSU. They could take Justin Jefferson. They could take Xavier McKinney. They could take Cesar Ruiz. They're, they can go a lot of different directions out of 17, but frankly, they just missed out on that elite ledge of players. 
Um, CJ Henderson could even be a good picture uh, pick because they could replace Byron Jones. But I think uh, they look at it and say, you know, what? let's add another pick because if they do want to make a play at quarterback and uh, go after Jalen Hurts, they're going to need an extra day two pick to do something like that. Um, so they moved down a couple spots. They added a day two pick and uh, Jacksonville moves up and gets CJ Henderson. And it's a huge day for Jacksonville. They eventually, you know, they give up a three, but they get back a two and they get CJ Henderson and Javon Kinlaw in this draft. Uh, and not to mention OJ Howard. Uh, I think it's a huge score for uh, Jacksonville and they can, uh, they can hang up the night on that one. That's, that's a big play. That's a big win. Okay. Uh, number 18, Miami, they drafted Tua, they moved up to go get him, they gave up a second round pick, but they kept their other two first. Uh, now it is imperative to fix that offensive line. You traded Laramie Tunsil and you never replaced him. There's holes all over the line. What do you do? Um, you start by getting Ezra Cleveland at the 18th pick. He's not that top tier of tackles, but in terms of athleticism, he is the number one offensive tackle. Um if he's not ready for the NFL game, that's okay. You can redshirt him while you're redshirting Tua. And he has that fifth year that Tua's going to have as well. You can have these guys learn and grow together. And, uh, you know, you can get like a journeyman tackle to play until Ezra's ready to roll. I think he'll be ready to go day one as well. And he'll just be getting better. But let Ryan Fitzpatrick take those lumps instead of Tua. But you want to fix this offense. You spend a lot of money on the defense. That's fine. Um, Brian Flores is going to be happy with the money that's spent there. Uh, and it's going to have to be rookies uh, on the offensive side of the ball, but they're going to have to learn. But tackle is very important, and they solve it with a good tackle in this draft. Okay, uh, Las Vegas back on the clock. They got Jerry Judy earlier. Now it's time to add a defensive player. Uh, this is an obvious pick. This is A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. I said it in the Q&A before. Couple him with Trayvon Mullen. Uh, and the other Clemson guys that uh, Oakland drafted last year, now they're in Vegas. This is a Mike Mayock pick. He loves the toughness. He loves tackling cornerbacks, and he doesn't care if it's the 19th pick when you know a lot of people have A.J. Terrell going in the second round. He doesn't care about that. He likes A.J. Terrell. He fits what he does. He's not comparing him to the other players in the draft. He's comparing him to what he needs and what he wants, and Terrell fits that. Okay, now Dallas is picking at 20. They just picked up an extra three, and they can get basically anybody that they wanted before. So they take Calevon Chason out of LSU. Um, you know, pairing him with Tank Lawrence, I think, would be a great pass rush. And, you know, now with the NFC East, you, you need to get after those quarterbacks. You got some two young ones that uh, would be prone to still be making mistakes. And Carson Wentz, you know, you get after him, he is injury prone. So. If you're Dallas, you got to like the idea of getting after these quarterbacks because, at the very least, putting pressure on the young ones and the injury-prone ones is going to have them unsettled in the draft, um, in the in the pocket. Um, they could have gone Caesar Ruiz here. I really like that, and I think that would be such a Dallas pick. But they need to change their ways a little bit. Um, they they can't just keep on stocking up with offensive linemen and shelving them until uh, they lose a guy. Uh, they don't have the depth to be able to do that right now. <clears throat> so uh, they go with Caleb on Chase Hunt, and I think they're pretty happy with that. Okay, San Francisco, they move down from 13 to 21, uh, and they still get a great receiver. Here they get Justin Jefferson out of LSU. 
uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to love the slot receiver who had 111 catches last year. Jefferson does a lot. He's a great route runner. He's got great hands. Um, he has a higher ceiling than Odell had at this point in their careers. I think Jefferson is going to be an instant day one player for them. Uh, he might not put up the fantasy numbers being in San Francisco because, you know, San Francisco has a lot of guys that kind of like share the, you know, the wealth there. But I think Shanahan looks at Jefferson and says, you know, with Debo Samuel as one of their guys, Jefferson as another, they have, you know, Dante Pettis, you know, now they're born a lot of, he just, he's adding to a good arsenal and he is definitely the best uh, route runner and slot guy that they'll have. So that's a really good ad for them. Okay. Um, number 22, Minnesota. Uh, they've got two, two first round picks. They have 22 and 25. This one they got from Buffalo uh, for the Dante or <clears throat> Stefan Diggs trade. So now it's how do you replace Stefan Diggs? Uh, Minnesota's already got a pretty good defense. They could use an edge rusher. They could use a corner because they, it seems like they're in tra- kind of flux there. But, you know, they have no number two wide receiver. And uh, I think they really need to make sure, you know, after losing Diggs, they don't just. You know, plummet, especially since they don't have a quarterback that really can rely on just his athleticism or throwing the ball, you know, a a thousand miles. So they need to get a good wide receiver out there. And I think Denzel Mims can really stretch the defense. He could, he has the potential to be the number one wide receiver in this class. He's one of my favorite receivers in the class. He's on my all Jake team, a little spoiler. Um, I love Mims here to Minnesota. Um, they can have a lot of fun with Mimsasota or whatever they want to do with that. And, uh, he can really be a number one wide receiver. Uh, he's like basically what Laquan Treadwell, but with athleticism, think about that, but Laquan Treadwell, but he catches everything that's contested and he can fly. And his three cone was earth shattering. So I'd be really excited if I'm a Minnesota fan, uh, for Denzel Mims, Mimsasota. Okay. We have New England, number 23. They don't have a quarterback. They are in flux right now. What do they do? Uh, some people think they're going to do the least sexiest thing in the world. Uh, some people want them to go up and get a quarterback, the sexiest thing in the world. I think it's going to be right down the middle. They're going to draft a defensive player that they know is going to be a day one contributor. Uh, he plays a position that's important in getting after the quarterback, and this is Yeter Grossmatos. Uh, Gross Matos, uh, edge rusher out of Penn State. Uh, I I love he's like a refined pass rusher. He's got really good moves and instincts. He is a fine see ball, fine ball, get ball type of defender. I think Belichick loves those types of guys, and he's overcome a lot of like tragedy. And that seems like the locker room type of guy that uh, that Belichick kind of goes for too. So. Um, he's going to be kind of like one of those guys that he fits in right away. So I love this pick for New England. Um, I think, uh, you know, they can never have enough pass rushers. And I'd be really interested to see how they play him. If they, you know, if they move him around from the D line to like a stand up backer, I wouldn't even be surprised if they played him at like Mike backer, you know, kind of like, uh, doing what they did with like Teddy Bruschi, who was the college uh, pass rusher that they moved to inside linebacker. You know, you never know with the Patriots. I think this is just a Patriot type pick. 
All right, number 24, New Orleans is on the clock. Um, They're one of the teams that I would not be surprised about if they moved up and went for a big splash. Um, However, right now, you know, their offense, they could really, you know, they're in it with Drew Brees. And they didn't go after a quarterback. So it's it's this team, and it's right now. So why don't you go get another wide receiver that can really, you know, break plays for them. Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State has speed for days. Um, and I think he was the real number one wide receiver when Nikhil Harry was there. Uh, Nikhil Harry just made all the fun, acrobatic, one-handed, and you know, crazy catches. But Ayuk is the burner. And if Michael Thomas is drawing as much attention as he does, Ayuk is the perfect type of guy to take advantage of one-on-ones and take them over the top, really spread out the defense for Thomas, who will be underneath making his great route running. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit for him in New Orleans, and Sean Payton would love that. Okay, number 25, Minnesota's back on the clock. They just took a wide receiver, so why not a cornerback now? Uh, Christian Fulton out of LSU. He got picked on all year because people wouldn't throw at Derek Stingley. Uh, but you know what? Fulton's a good corner. They uh, the, the Vikings have been, you know, last year was a disaster with Xavier Rhodes, and they are really ready to move on. Uh, I think by taking Fulton, they can finally wipe their hands clean of the whole, like, Rhodes experiment and everything, and Fulton steps in day one, starts as a corner, and, uh, you know, Minnesota just keeps on churning out, uh, you know, good defensive teams where they get rookies that constantly perform. Uh, And it wouldn't be much of a color change for Fulton, too. Okay, number 26, Miami, their third pick of the first round. First two, they went quarterback and tackle. Uh, here, I don't love any of the wide receivers. I, you know, I, I thought earlier maybe they take a Justin Jefferson or a Denzel Mims at 18, and they take tackle at 26, but tackle is just so much more important to them right now, so they had to take one at 18. Um, I don't think wide receiver is worth taking at this point. Uh, they could go running back, but again, like I said with the running backs, I wouldn't take one uh, until you're ready to compete and you're ready uh, to make that next step. Not even the next step. When you're at the championship round, uh, that's when you take running backs. I think that would be a bad idea for them to take a running back now because they would waste one to two, maybe even three years of him being on non-playoff teams. Instead, go get the star, the future star of your defense. You traded Minka Fitzpatrick this year. How about you go get a new Bama safety in Xavier McKinney? He can do a lot. He can play over the top. He can play in the box. He's the number one safety I have in this draft, and I think he'd be a great leader of the defense going forward. Um, I just think uh, you know it's it's even kind of a luxury pick. You know they spent so much money in the offseason on defense, <clears throat> but this is one of those luxury type picks for the defense where you say you know what. He comes along, he comes along, but you, the way the NFL is playing now with D-backs these days is you play a lot of three safety sets, uh, whether it's as like a big nickel or like, you know, McKinney moves into a weak side linebacker in some cases or a nickel corner. Uh, I think he's just the type of guy that you're going to want kind of being the star player on your defense in the future. And uh, at 26, you know, this is kind of a really good spot for them to just take it, take a swing at a big time player. Okay, 27, Seattle is on the clock. Uh, I think they want to move out of this pick, if I'm being honest. 
you know, they, they say, okay, we could take a tackle, you know, we could take, um, you know, go, go a different couple routes, but you know, they're going to sign Javadavion Clowney to, they're going to resign him. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Uh, Clowney doesn't want to go to the Browns. So it's either going to be, and I think he's using Tennessee just to get more money from Seattle, but Seattle's going to eventually sign him. They're not going to need a rusher and their defense is already pretty good. And they find ways to get guys in the mid rounds that, you know, they really do well with that. <clears throat> However, they need to protect Russ. They need to do better. And they let up so much interior rush and interior pressure. It drives me nuts. Like you have this quarterback you, he's now getting paid. He's not on that rookie deal anymore. He's getting paid, so you have to protect him. Caesar Ruiz can play any of the three interior line spots, so he's a perfect addition to this team. He's tough. He's the type of center that looks for extra blocks, which I love. I love centers that do that. They're like, I'm done with my guy. Who can I go hit? And he'll jab a guy in the ribs and make him you know, think again if a guy wants to jump and try and bat down a pass. So Ruiz works perfectly for Seattle because he can... He's basically, a, and he might be an upgrade at all three spots. He'll start somewhere along their interior offensive line. Good pick for Seattle. Okay, number 28. This one hurts to say, but Baltimore, Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Uh, this would be a home run pick. He is exactly the type of John Harbaugh type pick. Uh, and they just wait for him to fall to him, too. Like, uh, I, I really want the Browns to move up and get Kenneth Murray. I think he'd be... A stellar pick for the Browns, especially since they need to replace Joe Schobert. Murray is huge. He's 6'2". He's 240. He is yoked up, um, twitched up, as some as this you know they like to say. He destroys running backs. Sometimes he overpursues a little bit, and he'll have to learn that. But on Baltimore, he is just such a raven. It's not even funny. Like it's it's frustrating how much of a raven he is. And I really do think this is going to happen. I think he's going to go to them with a 28th pick. A lot of people are saying Patrick Queen, the LSU linebacker. Um, that could happen you know, instead. But I think uh, Kenneth Murray to the Ravens is just such an ob- obvious choice. Like, come on. It, it like hurts how obvious that is. Um, so, you know, if I was them, that's what I would do. And it would be a great pick because they could use a new, like, C.J. Mosley in the middle of their defense there. <sighs> All right. No, at 29, Tennessee, you know, they made that magical run to the AFC Championship game. They uh, they have Ryan Tannehill. They gave him big bucks. So they're in it with him now. So, you know, I've said I've said this, you know, about Darnold. I've said it about Dak Prescott. I've, I say it about every quarterback. If you pay him or if you take him high and you're in bed with that quarterback, you might as well try to make it the best you can. Now, they just lost their right tackle, Jack Conklin, to the Cleveland Browns. Holla. Uh, they could use an upgrade there uh, to, you know, to replace him. You know, because outside of that, they're basically the same team they were last year. Um, you take Austin Jackson out of USC, who's super young and hasn't even gotten to show you his best football because last year he didn't get to work out with the team for a while because he was, you know, he had that bone marrow transplant for his sister. So his best football is ahead of him. And it's not just saying that because he has improvements to make, but because he was basically playing, you know, with an illness last year. If you look at it like that, um, he's a, he, he's got good, like movement skills for an offensive tackle and he could definitely play both sides. So 
Uh, taking him and playing him as one of your bookend tackles, he's super young still. Uh, this is a solid pick. And this is one that, like, again, you just had Ezra Cleveland go. Uh, now you have Austin Jackson gone. The Browns just missed out uh, you know, on two of that next wave of tackles. Uh, there's only one left. Uh, so, you know, the, the Browns need to make a move soon if they want to get one of those tackles. Now, Green Bay at 30, uh, I really wanted to give them one of these wide receivers, but they missed out on Mims. They missed out on Ayuk, uh, missed out on on Justin Jefferson, and then the big three earlier. So they miss out on those six. They could dip in and go to like the seventh receiver. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones would be a really nice number two. Um, KJ Hamler has, you know, there's something to like about him, but if I'm going for a speed receiver, I like Jalen Rager out of TCU. Um, he reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb, but with more speed. He can be their returner. He can be the guy that stretches the field and really opens things up for Devonta Adams, similar of what I have Brandon Ayuk doing for New Orleans. And, you know, they're on Rodgers' last legs. You know, a lot of people were making jokes that like, oh, what if, you know, the Packers, you know, pick Jordan Love. Um, You know, Rodgers is older than Brett Favre was when Rodgers was picked. So it wouldn't be crazy at all for them to go make a pick for Jordan Love because at this point in his career, Brett Favre was dancing with retirement every year. So you never know when Aaron Rodgers is going to say, you know what, I'm done. I won my Super Bowl. Uh, my life is too stressful because everyone's always giving me shit for some reason. Uh, I wouldn't blame him if he said he's got to retire soon. So you might as well help him out. Their defense made huge strides last year. Uh, and they only uh, they made more improvements again this year. If Christian Kirksey, Kirksey can stay healthy, he was a solid steal. Uh, but I really like Jalen Rager. Again, I think they just haven't gotten a lot from that number two receiver position. And, you know, they have a, a great number one running back. They have a great number one wide receiver. And they have a great, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback. Give them a second option in the passing game because... These guys have not been working. It's like, you know, kind of like, you know, they had the one kid out of Illinois. They had, uh, you know, Marquez Valga's scantling. It's it's almost like it's just like it's not working to keep on shuffling in these guys. Maybe just take one of these first round picks. So I like Rager there. I think that Rieger, Rager, whatever. <clears throat> I think that's great. Okay. I do have a trade. Uh, the Browns move up from 34. They trade with San Francisco. They give uh, San Francisco a fourth round pick to move up three spots. Um, uh, I, I, and I have the Browns taking Josh Jones out of Houston. Uh, again, look, we have San Francisco. They wanted to get more picks. This way, they still get a wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, earlier in the draft. But they added a second from Philly, and they now add a fourth from Cleveland. Uh, and they and they're on you know basically picking thirty fourth in the second round, so they've got a lot of picks to come. San Francisco did their job of adding more picks, and the Browns did their job of getting back into round one, drafting one of those tackles that I said. I didn't get one of the top four. I have Josh Jones as my number five offensive tackle. Uh, he is drafted in this case as the number seven offensive tackle after Austin Jackson and. Um, and Ezra Cleveland jump him as the fifth and sixth uh, drafted offensive tackles. I like Josh Jones a lot. He's a little old. Um, 
So, you know, you kind of just assume like he's not going to have that much more growth. Uh, I could really, I really do want to see him when he gets to second level, hit more people. He's kind of like in no man's land sometimes that second level, but he's got good athleticism. He moves really well and he tested so well and his PFF grades are phenomenal. And those I think are the, the key things to watch because those are things that I think Barry and Stefanski really like is those pro football focus grades and those like, you know, the um, spark grades, those athleticism testing ones. And I think with Josh Jones, they're going to say, look, the percentage of times that he wins his battle is the same or better than any of the guys that went in the top 10. He wins his pass blocking battle more often than Mekhi Becton, more often than Jedrick Wills, more often than uh, Tristan Wirfs, and more often than Andrew Thomas. He had the best pass blocking grade of anyone there. And he played good teams too. I know he was at Houston, but he had good competition. So the the, re- the real holdup is his age. He's two years older than a lot of these offensive tackles. But if the Browns are saying, look, you know, Offensive tackles are, are retiring any age between 32 and 38. You know, Jason Peters is 38. He's still playing. Joe Thomas was the Iron Man. And he retired when, you know, when he was 32. He played his last game when he was 32. So, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, but they're basically the same, you know, into their 30s. Uh, so the point I'm trying to make is I wouldn't worry too much about Josh Jones's age because it's not like he's a running back that's going to be done by the time he's 29. He's still going to be blocking guys in his 30s. And I just like this for the Browns because they're able to um, they're able to add a 2021 first round pick and a 2020 second round pick. So they'll pick twice in the second round tomorrow and they'll pick twice in the third round and they'll have an additional first round pick next year and they'll still have taken their left tackle that they, you know, maybe not one of the ones they really wanted, but one that they're comfortable with. So I'm happy with that pick for the Browns, Josh Jones to move up. And finally, the 32nd pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers trade up with the Kansas City Chiefs and they take Patrick Queen, linebacker of LSU. Queen could go in the teens. Um, However, the way that the run on tackles and wide receivers went and kind of cornerback too for a little bit there. Um, I think that he slides a little bit and uh, Caroline says, you know what? We just drafted Derek Brown. He was a, you know, and was able to trade down. They used a first round. They got an extra first round pick next year. How about they move up just a couple picks? They use a day three pick to move up and they take Patrick Queen to replace Christian. um, I'm sorry, Luke Keekley in the middle of their defense. Wow. What a day. They, I mean, you know, they start with the number seven overall pick. And they turn that in the second round pick into Derek Brown, Patrick Queen, and an additional one. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. What a great haul for Carolina. They're probably the day one winners. And I love that pick for them. Kansas City, we knew they wanted to move out uh, and acquire more picks. So they get another day three pick. And they can take a running back early on day two. They don't need to take uh, him right there at 32. They think adding a fourth round pick is probably worth it. So that's my mock draft. I had a ton of trades. Wow. One, two, we had three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine trades in the first round, including two times 
that the Browns traded down and one time trading back up. So lots of trades involving the Browns, lots of trades in general. But again, this was the mock draft of what I would do if I was these teams. So again, it's not always going to happen because it takes two to tango in these things. But again, there are some teams that need to be aggressive in the draft. And there are some teams that need to kind of move back and kind of just let things fall as they may. Uh, Jacksonville is one of those teams this year where I think acquiring more picks, just letting the best players fall to them, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Whereas, you know, uh, I think New Orleans, I think uh, New England, maybe, uh, Green Bay, those are teams that, uh, Philadelphia for sure, those are teams that I want to see them get aggressive and move up. Las Vegas and Denver, they're in very similar positions where it's like, they are they both feel like they're one player away from becoming a wild card team. Oakland's got the 12th and the 19th pick. Denver's got the 15th pick. Let's see which one of them goes after uh you know, I think one of those two teams or Philadelphia gets CD Lamb. I think it just comes down to who's the most aggressive. Uh but it's it's this is my favorite thing. This is my favorite time of the year. That's the mock draft. I'm an hour and a half into this pot, and I'm going to have one more segment, one tiny last thing. I just want to announce my All Jake team um, and and be done with it for the night. You guys can hear my voice going already. Okay, so the All Jake 2020 team. Uh, my quarterback is Tua Tungavailoa. I just love his leadership. I love his baller attitude. Uh, and if I had to take any quarterback in this draft and build my team around, I love Jordan Love, but uh, Tua is just that guy. He is that guy that like you follow into battle with. So I love it. Um, my running back is J.K. Dobbins. I think he's super underrated and not getting enough appreciation. But that's just running back in this. Um, you know, he's he's the type that uh, he can be your you know every down back. He catches passes. He's a willing blocker. Uh, he's shiftier than he looks. He is hard to bring down and. He is one of the Ohio State like all time running backs. He passed some of Eddie George's records, uh, so I think uh, I think J.K. Dobbins he's going to go to a team and he's going to really light it up. Uh, in this offense, I'm not taking a tight end. However, I am going to have a fullback, and my fullback of this draft is Bronson Recksteiner out of Kennesaw State. Rick Steiner, the professional wrestler's son, Bronson Recksteiner. The dude is a monster. He is everything you want in a fullback. And I don't know who needs a fullback out there. He's probably going undrafted, but this guy looks the part. He is the part. He ran a sub 4-5-40. Like it was in the 4-4s. He ran a 4-4-40. His athleticism is off the charts. He is a monster. He's an actual running back, but he can play he plays fullback as well. He'll be fullback in the NFL. He's not going to be a starting running back. But man, would I love to see a team bring him in and give him a shot to make the 53. <clears throat> um, okay, then I have three wide receivers in this offense. Uh, I have no tight ends because this is a bad tight end draft. Um, my three wide receivers, I'm going with Denzel Mims, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Pittman Jr. Um, I could have gone uh, with so many different wide receivers. And I did pick two that I know is going to be in the first round. However, I just... Uh, I, I needed to I needed to have C D Lamb. He's he's gonna be an absolute baller. And the more I watched him, he is so competitive and he is like a dog and I love it. I was at the Red River rivalry when he scored two touchdowns where I just thought Texas was so t- bad at tackling, and they are. They were very bad at tackling. However, um 
he is tough to bring down and he is elusive. He is, he, I mean, he's a jump ball machine. He's got great hands. He can fly. He's got great size. He's everything you want in a wide receiver. And I have him on the all Jake team. Uh, my next wide receiver uh, I said was uh, Denzel Mims. Again, he's getting slept on right now. Uh, I don't know why he's not being talked about in that top three. Um, I know Justin Jefferson is getting a lot of love, but I think Denzel Mims, you know, he's got long legs. He can fly. His cone dr- drills were amazing, and he's got really good hands too. He's not a typical Baylor like product. He he can play, and I think he's going to go to a team where he's going to become their number one wide receiver. And people are going to say, "Wow, why doesn't why didn't he get the same love?" And my third wide receiver is Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, I could have gone with so many people as a third wide receiver, but Pittman's game tape is so is game tape is so great, and he is just a he's a willing blocker. He's a hard nosed player. He was a special teams ace before he was a good wide receiver. So I like everything about Michael Pittman, and uh, and I, I would love to see the Browns add him, especially since the Browns need a third wide receiver. Uh, he's going to be a day two pick, like one of that second into third round area, just like Donovan Peoples-Jones and KJ Hamler. But I like Pittman's game the most. Turn on the Utah tape. That's fun. Okay, then for my offensive line, you know, on the Jake's, uh, you know, all Jake team, I make the rules, and I decided not to go center, guard, uh, tackle, guard, tackle. I went with five tackles because this draft, I fell in love with these tackles early on, and I still don't know who my favorite is. I'm never going to have a favorite. Um, Tristan Wirfs, it, you know, he, I, I said on the last pod, he was like the Greek gods built him, like the NFL gods built him. Makai Becton is the alien of this group. Like he's, you know, came from a different planet where they play football at a completely different level than we do. Um, Andrew Thomas is just this safe day one starter that's going to constantly do the work and give you protection at, at left tackle. And Dredrick Wills, basically the Andrew Thomas of the right side. He's super powerful. He looks the part uh, and he throws people down uh, and he's going to be a right tackle from day one. And then my final, my fifth tackle is Josh Jones because I really like Josh Jones. He's super athletic. He was great at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. And he constantly gets his job done. And that's the number one thing that the Browns are going for is production out of offensive tackle. They're going to say, listen, you can have all the traits and athleticism and everything, but if you don't produce, we don't want you. Kevin Stefanski, was the first thing he said is everything is encouraged, but production is required. And I've taken that to the bank, and I love that about Josh Jones. Production is required. Uh, my utility guy for the offense, Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky, Everyone saw that one coming, right? He was a quarterback and wide receiver for Kentucky this year. He was forced to play quarterback after injuries. And frankly, if he played quarterback the whole year, he would have been a Heisman candidate. Um, He's now entering the NFL as a wide receiver. But I really hope a team like New Orleans gets him and plays him all over the place. And, uh, you know, maybe Kansas City. And, like, he's like a gimmicky, uh, tricks, jacks of all trade type player. Uh, Lynn Bowden, watch out for him. And the all-Jake defense, uh, starting off edge rushers, uh, Chase Young, obviously. I mean, there's no player like him in the draft. He is the safest player in the draft. He is the best player in this draft. Uh, Washington is getting a 
nice, nice defensive end. Uh, he is better than the Bosos coming out. He's right there with Miles Garrett. I would say probably higher than Miles Garrett, uh, even though the Miles Garrett hype was out of this world when he came out of the draft. Uh, so you know it's it's tough. Maybe. Uh, Maybe Chase Young is a little bit higher, but Miles Garrett was a little bit safer. But I don't know. They're both like, you know, we're talking best pass rushers, you know, in the galaxy. And I have them right below Jadavion Clowney of like, you know, where they were coming out of. And Clowney was just an absolute monster and was like a 100 on the draft score. So uh, Chase Young, there's hardly any guys like him. He's obvious on this team. My other edge rusher... I went a little bit off the ball, and I went Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. Um, I could have gone with a lot of different edge rushers here, but I love Zach Bond's game, and I love that he plays a stand-up linebacker uh, or DN spot. He is just constantly getting after the quarterback, and he is kind of like a jack-of-all-trades defensive end slash linebacker. Uh, I think he uh, he kind of looks stiff at times, but again, he's another like production is required type guy where he's constantly getting the job done. So uh, I like Bond a lot of Wisconsin. Uh, in in this defense, I'm only going to go with one defensive tackle, uh, and I'm going to have just a myriad of athletes coming at you from all over the spot. But Javon Kinlaw is a disruptor from the inside. I said it before with Jacksonville taking him. I think he'd be great anywhere along the interior of the defensive line. And uh, that three-man front, uh, I think that's going to be tough to block, and they're going to get after you. Okay, then the next level, I got to have Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. The guy plays with his head cut off or with with his you know head or hair on fire, whatever the phrase is. Um, he tracks down everybody. And I love it. Uh, I, I, He's the type of guy that I want on the Browns. He's the type of guy I want on my defense because he just flies all over the place and he hits hard. My other linebacker is Kenneth Murray. I said it in the, you know, he's he's one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, I hate that the Ravens are going to definitely get him and that he's a perfect fit for the Ravens. Like he's all he's already wearing purple. Like I, I got it. I got to imagine he's been told that he's their draft pick. Okay, so I only have two linebackers, and I have three defensive linemen. It sets me up nicely to have kind of just roaming safeties all over the place, and that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have Isaiah Simmons and Jeremy Chin as my, like, linebacker hybrid safety types. Uh, I've talked about Simmons a lot. He's the Swiss Army knife of of this draft. He can do whatever you want on any given play. Jeremy Chin is the Southern Illinois version of Isaiah Simmons. He played safety, but he's built like a linebacker. He flies around the field. Uh, I don't know what his natural position is going to be in the NFL. All I know is I want to find out. I don't want him out there. Uh, And then my two true safeties are uh, (laughs) I'm going to have as uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Grant Delpit. If Antoine Winfield is healthy... Uh, he, he's just, he's, you know, he's NFL blood. He is a ball hawk and, uh, I want him on my defense. I want him in the back end patrolling and same with Grant Delpit. He was the Jim Thorpe award winner D backs that win the Jim Thorpe award out of LSU. Uh, they're pretty safe bets. And, uh, I like Delpit. I think he had kind of a down year after having an like extremely stellar 2018, but he still won the Thorpe award. So, 
I love Delpit, and I think him and Winfield in the back there, that would be insane. And then on the outside, my corners, um, obviously Jeff Okuda, he's so just locked in as the number one corner in this draft. I think that's obvious. And, uh, And my other one, I'm going with the day three guy. I'm going with Bryce Hall out of Virginia, a guy that is not getting enough love. But he is awesome, and uh, uh, I think he can be a number like you know starting cornerback in the NFL in time. And I think uh, a lot of teams, are, one team is going to really, really hit it hard with him. So uh, that's it. Oh, and then my twelfth, you know, I got a twelfth offensive guy, so I got a twelfth defensive guy. Going with a nickelback, Amik Robertson. I think uh, you know he's a little bit smaller, but he plays like you know out of Louisiana Tech, dynamite. And he hits hard. He challenges everybody. There are times that he gives up like six or seven inches to wide receivers. And he is playing them like they're the same size. Um, so I really love his game. And I think uh, he's a number. He's a starter day one at uh, nickel. So anyway, that's the all Jake team. And that is the draft in 2020. I am so excited for tonight. It's already 1 a.m. Uh, I've been talking for a while now. But. I am so excited for the draft tonight. I hope you all are watching. I hope you all are staying safe. Um, hit me up all day today with any questions you have in the draft. and uh, or, or tomorrow or, or Saturday too. I would love to talk about the draft all weekend. But uh, welcome to season four of The Jake. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I got my 100th episode coming up soon. But this was episode 98, the 2020 NFL draft, mock draft, big, uh, you know, all Jake team. And my Q&A. So thank you all for listening. Um, Have fun. Go Browns.